Your favorite time of the week is back again. Let's talk about that. Case of the Mondays. Oh, my goodness. We're so glad you've joined us today. I'm uh, John. This is my friend Johnny. Hey, guys. Maybe you're new today. Maybe you're new. If you're new, would you just slip your hand up? We're you, not going to embarrass you. We just want to bring you one of these coffee mugs. We've got a gift. It's a uh, fresh-baked banana bread. Uh, Some churches gave bread away as the gift to the visitors, right? Oh, we have a gift for you. It's this visitor card. <laughs> no, no, it's just a card. We want to get your email address uh, if we could. No, but I think I've been to churches before where they gave you, like, bread. Like, yeah. Like a loaf of bread. Like it, Not like, like a loaf of sliced bread. That'd be give weird. us this week our weekly bread. Is I that guess. It? <laughs> <laughs> it's odd. Yeah. What was okay? So did we have we told the story about the time that your mom went with you to visit a church and she said they said well we're going to do communion we do communion a little different here they said you would go you'll go to the back of the room or maybe it was in a separate room and you just take communion oh and she goes in right. and she sees the grape juice in the little cups and the bread and on the trays yeah. the little pieces of bread. But the great, it's white grape it's white, juice, white and grape she's juice. like, "This is weird, but okay, whatever, you know, it's whatever, whatever you do." She takes a drink, and she's the first one of the family to do it. <laughs> and then you've got yours in your hand, and she's like, "Don't do it." I didn't go. I wasn't here oh, for okay. this. So yeah, somebody, I, somebody, she stopped him. She goes, "It's olive oil." <laughs> it was, it was olive no, oil. It was anointing oil. Uh, no, no. Yeah. So yeah, it, which, so that was a horrible snafu by the communion crew. Yeah. Of not that only was it oil, it was like it has all this like floral, oh, almost like essential. Oil she drank type. essential oils. Yeah, basically. And it and, was, I was surprised she, she she's going to outlive us all though because she drank essential oils. oils. She oh, well, right. essential oils. That's the thing, right? It's essential anointing oils. She she, <laughs> she maybe she started the whole thing cuz I never heard about essential oil until that happened to your mom. You know what? You Man, know? My mom is at the epicenter of a movement. She's at the epicenter of the entire multi-level marketing. Have you ever seen my mom and essential oils in the same room at the same time? Nah, well, they're in her pores. <laughs> she's that. She's who they're harvesting to get the essential oils. Yeah, I remember that church staff was... Ext- it's a big church, too. Real big. That's so funny. And they were extremely embarrassed. And uh, How could this have happened? Like somebody they? picked the wrong bottle, I guess. Uh, That's like when we told the story about the, the Passion Play when they were winching up Jesus... To heaven and no, I was there for that. Something goes horribly wrong and Jesus falls. My dad made that winch. Oh man! So yeah, that's that really happened. Both of it. those are bad. You know, we're going to end up in the paper on this. Yeah, like his things. wife was really upset. It was real close friends of the family. We we didn't drop Jesus completely from the top of the <laughs> ceiling because it was a high ceiling. But we dropped him far enough in practice that right. it made his wife pretty nervous after that. So, uh, man, what are you going to do? You've got to winch your Jesus actor through the ceiling. It's the gospel. <laughs> there's a sermon there. How are they ever going to hear the message without it? That's what happens when we try to be a stand-in for Jesus, oh, John. Oh, my goodness. Some we can't reach the heights that we thought we could. You think you could just The weight act. of our sin causes a winch to fail. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to winch. Yeah, I don't know. Some of y'all would just been. Some of y'all are winches acting. out there. Raise your hand. Slip your hand up if you if you've ever been. Some of y'all been acting like Jesus, and that's part of the. Some problem. of y'all are acting like winches. You need to not act like Jesus. You need to be like Jesus. Oh my gosh. Am I right? That's bad. But yeah, I love how every again we pointed out, but every one of these starts with some of y'all. Like if I don't think I've ever, my, I don't. I hope what I preach, I never say. You know what? Some of y'all. You know what? I'm glad that you don't say is my Bible says. <laughs> I like we have different Bibles. Yeah, like you. Uh, my Bible. I don't know about you, but my Bible says I'm more than a conqueror. <laughs> Wait a minute. What version does he have? It doesn't say that. Mine really? just says regular old, plain just, old conqueror. Right. You're just even with a conqueror. That's what mine says. Do you remember, by the way, uh, whenever we were... <laughs> We were in the, uh, it was in a, a fairly charismatic service. I know exactly what story you're yeah. going to tell. And the guy was preaching and he, I mean, like, listen, we're doing the voice, but it's dead on <laughs> what he voice. sounded like. It's pretty yeah. much his voice. Yeah, we're not making fun of him at all. Come on! And uh, and he was like. That's Luke Bryan if he were a televangelist. Super, Come on! <laughs> super, super East, deep yeah. East Tennessee. And, uh, and he was like, uh, <laughs> now. Uh, I was going to say Far East Tennessee, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> <laughs> and he would say, he, he said, now, now my Bible says mm-hmm. that we are the head 
No, we're not the. What is Wait, it? We're not, sorry, yeah, he's the head, up. and, and we, we are. are the, and I used to. Oh, there used to always be this thing where you'd say, "I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath." That was right. the thing that you would, you know, you'd have all these confessions in. So somebody yells out, "Tail!" Somebody yells out, "Tail!" And he goes, "You may be his tail, but I'm his body." body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I screwed it up. By the way, I can't mess all. up a preacher's bad punchline. Oh my gosh! So I can't even get it out there. But he's the head, and we're the tail. tail. Yeah. No, yeah. Jesus, Jesus' body has a tail. That's the whole other thing. Then you're getting evolution. That's going to make everybody's oh, head explode. Oh, my goodness. You, st- you could see where the tail It was used. a vestigial oh, tail that we dropped at some point because we didn't need it anymore. That guy's theology. Wow, I can't yeah. believe he said all that. That was... Uh, <sighs> I don't know. Whatever happened to that guy? <laughs> I'm so, it's so funny. You never want to say the names of these people. Well, I'm not saying his name. I will edit it out. I'm not. Listen, I do a podcast. I say I say things that matter to me, but I don't feel like I want to. People just cut to a disclaimer. Then, listen, the views expressed on this program do Are not John's necessarily not reflect. That's right. Johnny wants to burn bridges behind him. He has a death wish. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, yeah. Like I, I do, I keep relationships open to some extent, and then like, okay, riddle me this. So mm. there's there's an organization that I've written a lot for in an article world, but they send out like I'm on the, the Irish Republican Army. Maybe you've heard of them, and <laughs> <No>. like, <laughs> and so I like, I, but they there's a huge organization, like yeah. total huge, like an, enormous, and they send out like two emails a day to yeah. all the people, and I'm on the list. Yeah, and so I don't want necessarily to read all the emails but if you jump off the list and unsubscribe then I they thinking, see it and yeah. so for like a year uh-huh. i just kind of keep watching these emails and right. this week they called look uh-huh. we got somebody that does most of our articles but everyone's way underwater could you do an emergency article in a day kind of thing you're like glad i didn't unsubscribe <laughs> and i was really thinking like well this is one of those rare times that and they paid you 82 dollars to do that article <laughs> So it was all worth it. The <laughs> spam, right. the spam per capita. I want to know. Yeah, all how the, many how many nickels per spam email did you make? Oh my god! Do that formula. Do no, it happens to me because I don't want to offend. Like I've, if I do, like let's say it's a pregnancy resource center or it's a church or whatever, and I've done an event and somehow I end up on their list. Because sometimes what I'll do is if I do a, a charity event, right. it's a fundraiser, I'll donate part of my merch proceeds back to the event well you've had your award now hope it was right. worth it so. but what the, how it happens is when i make that donation now i'm on their email list so they'll yeah. send me a thing every don't miss this year's laugh for life and it'll be you know somebody that i know like okay but that happens to me and, I, and i'm like if i've unsubscribed it makes it look like i just don't care about them anymore yeah or you know i always wonder though do, do they actually I do care do they actually see it like when Maybe. We, we somebody see, on the inside might. I think what we see here is somebody unsubscribes from our emails. Like we have to go in and see it. I don't think it's like a, we get a notification. If you saw somebody unsubscribe from the church emails, would you immediately go, "Wow, that person's off the you know they're, we they're, have those they've, conversations. They've, they've, they're off the rails"? Or would you go, "We're sending too many emails"? Would you immediately would you accuse yourself or would you accuse them of being flaky? Always accuse them. That's, <laughs> that's my go to. Because <laughs> I mean, I think I would be a little introspective. Like maybe I did put too many. Well, it depends on who it is. If it's there. somebody that's really, really active, yeah. then I'm going to... Or if it's someone who complains about not having enough information, that's when it really gets me. Like, don't right. unsubscribe to the emails and then complain you're uninformed, you know? Uh, yeah. it, but if somebody who's kind of... you are really... You're hard on people, If it's you? somebody who's like, though, on the outskirts, they haven't been back in a while, then I'm like, okay, this is probably evidence. But nobody's been... You can't do it now because nobody's been back in a while. Johnny, I judge everybody just the same. You regardless. look at their online... <laughs> I really, I really couldn't tell who's no. commenting in the thread on the I online really, sermon. I really, really don't. Because that's only a handful of people that do that, right? Yeah, that, that I watch know. the sermon and go, "Oh, it's a great point." And then you, it's like I don't think anybody does that. They did in the beginning. I saw it. I yeah. saw it happen. I usually get texts if somebody. Oh, I see. And As they're watching it, it's really strange. So you're out by the pool because you've pre-recorded it. Well, you're like, God, my phone's blowing up. <laughs> What's going on? Well, and people don't always watch it in real time either. Yeah, unless they're with their groups or something. So, like the other Sunday, I think I had pre-recorded it. Yeah, and it was um, I did Isaiah. Okay. So it was a it was a pretty you know I did a lot about like I actually brought in how um, how we in the American church often look at prophecy and Andrew had talked about it the week before as, as if America is like somehow in there, right. you know, and not seeing the context of Babylon, the context of Israel and yeah, yeah. exile and all those things and how this is not like what, and there's that hard separation and prescriptive and descriptive. Like there are things for us that are principles that believers are supposed to take out of this, especially the promises of the Messiah and all those things. But like 
to prescribe yourself into it as if, oh, you know. Right. Everybody tends to make themselves the hero of their own story anyway. So right. it definitely falls into that category. And I think, I think you know, I'm using buzzwords here, but American exceptionalism, you know, sort of plays into that a little bit with yeah. with the mixing of nationalism and Christianity. And so I made some pretty bold statements. I was like, so guys, just so you know, and I was teaching on it with a lot of context, like nationalism is incompatible with Christianity. Like it it doesn't work together. Um, and so, in fact, I want to remind me, I want to say something else about that. I, mean, I was thinking of the other day. Um, and so, I, you know, in my old days, because you know, I'm in recovery for approval of, of people, like I need people's approval, you know. So I always get in the cars and, and well, how'd it go today? And I still ask my wife, but I've really grown a lot to where I know I may say things that are unpopular, but if I think it's what was really necessary, what was helpful to the body of Christ for them to really receive another, like, you know, level of the gospel that will help them, yeah. then I'm just okay being unpopular. Like the prophets were extremely unpopular. Like, yeah. like Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Ezekiel, everyone rejected their message in their time through, through Jeremiah in a well for crying out loud, you know? So like, it's not a, it's not like, I think we're at that place where I really need this and, and I'm going to call it a word. Because I think it's what it is. I mean, it's a sin thing for me. Like, meaning I miss the mark of God's best for me when I really am, am tethered to the opinion of people. And that sounds like some like real low level sin. <laughs> like we wouldn't throw it up there. People have these levels of it. Like, what, well, John? You don't need to be in a recovery program for just needing people's approval. That's just normal kind of thing. He's like, right. well, yeah, it is normal, and that's part of the problem. Is is we can't speak truth anymore in love. I'm not like I didn't hammer the people that day. I think I don't think anybody was super offended, but I just had noticed I didn't get as many texts. You yeah, know? yeah. It was like a uh, you know, and I and the best part was is I was more okay with that. Not noticed, mm-hmm. but I was more okay with that. And then I did start, and then I realized it started trickling in after that because uh, uh, people are not watching it in real time necessarily on the days that we are, are out there. Yeah, somebody was talking about that, a uh, pastor friend of mine, he tweeted out, he was talking about how he's, his church is back in in-person services as well as online for the last month or so. And he was kind of warning, it, it wasn't like, he's not heavy handed about it. He wasn't just saying like online's bad, but he said, I do think we're conditioning people to watch church on their own time and skip the parts they don't like. Yeah. And it's creating more of a consumer mentality. Yeah. Like you consume it the way that, like I have one of my favorite podcasts is an interview podcast. Okay. Yeah. And I won't say what it is cause whatever, but the, the start of it is a guy kind of venting himself for 15 minutes. Then he gets into the interview with somebody that, you know, the name it's, he has famous people on the show. Right. I almost always skip his 15 minutes cause I don't care. Yeah. I'm, he's a terrific interviewer. But his 15 minutes is like, this is, and it's usually when he puts the ads into. Yeah. So I think church can, if we're not careful, can become that too. We're like, okay, here's the part where we're yeah. going to talk about this, or not even the sermon. No, that probably happens too. That'd be really scary to know. If you, if, what if you could know the analytics of when I got on this topic, I know when they, because podcasts can do that. There's analytics, you know, high end analytics you can buy for I your bet podcast. I could do it on YouTube. I bet YouTube offers that. Where you can look at, you can see like how long they watch, but I'm saying if you knew, because right. advertisers want that for podcasts now, so I know there's analytics where they can go, they skipped our ad. Mm-hmm. 87% of people skipped our ad for Stamps.com, so Stamps.com goes, no, we're not going to pay the money anymore, because yeah. you're not making your uh, delivery good enough yeah. to, to co- you know, co-opt this money or whatever. So I wonder if we knew what it affect. And I had somebody in our in our group say they kind of noticed themselves and they wondered if you were more uh this is just you know whatever but editorializing but they were wondering if you were more uh controversial or you're more likely to say a hard thing because there's no audience yeah and they were they they, they're just wondering out loud they're like man he's getting into some heavy stuff and i wonder if those are if he would have said the exact same thing if he's got you know 200 eyeballs yeah that's a that's a fascinating question um, you know, so I've, I'm a 30 minute preacher now. Yeah. So I preached last week live Man, there's gotta be more of you out there. Thank God for you. I preached last week. 30 live. minutes is enough, right? It is. And so I used to be a 45 to 50 minute preacher. 
And when we started but this, but you never did the thing of like, well, I'll go and as a spirit, you never did that of like, no, but I'm going to linger up here in a self indulgent way. There were days I felt and like call it the spirit. You would just say, no, I was really self indulgent. <laughs> <laughs> what I would say is, is this wasn't too much for me. Yeah, you know, like I felt yeah. like the explanation or the I time I it. went was. I'm cool necess- with it as long as there's. I'm cool with a longer sermon if you didn't just reiterate your central right. point twenty times. Yeah. That that's what that's when it gets to me as a professional speaker myself. I'm like, all yeah. right, we got it. This this the last ten times were just self indulgent to me. The criticism I usually have taken from people who are loving me well enough and I'm invited into on this is that I'm putting too much stuff in. Yeah, like I'm trying to. It's not that I'm reiterating the same point. Is that I'm adding so much that by the time they get they done, can't chew it all up. It's like, wow, that was a lot to sit through and not have time to process. So I've really gone down to... You, that's why you build an intermission. <laughs> you give them a little break, come back. <laughs> hey, take a, take a break. Hey everybody, uh, there's a piece of paper there for you to you know really write down your thoughts. Yeah, process. everybody have a sip of anointing oil. Yeah. Come back, <laughs> and we will go over this. So, but the the great thing is, is so the camera we have obviously records longer than that. But there was some proprietary thing inside of it. It had to oh, do right. with, had to do with some European proprietary Dude, things. That, you know what? You know who put that there? The Lord mm, to make he, sermons cut <laughs> off. This is the only the, way he could do it. It's the right amount of time. Yeah. And so that's how. Well, and when I'm recording alone, by the way, so sometimes mm-hmm. I have to set the camera, push record, walk up, and I keep a timer. Do it, then walk back. So I have to have time. Yeah, and yeah. it will cut off before thirty minutes. So you got to know. So it's like, but it, it's, it's kind of arbitrary. It could be like 2910. But you could put a clock up there and you'll know when you're getting close to the... Right. But when you're trying to wrap up a sermon and it's yeah. at 27 minutes and you still have half a page left... In Jesus' name, amen. You just <laughs> hurry the last it's, part. But it's been so helpful. Yeah. Because it's like, it really cuts... Number one, I've cut a lot of intro stuff out. Like, I just... Unnecessary words. My intro is three minutes now. Right. And it's usually a story and I know exactly... Uh, this last week, I didn't do an intro on a story. I think I just jumped in, you know, to, to thoughts on it um, because we're following the, the Bible Project videos mm-hmm. in that series. But it's been so helpful because now I don't feel like I'm un- – I used to feel like if I had to shorten it that much, I was undercutting it. And now I feel like it's way more natural. So I had a live, which means I had no time limit. I went 32 Sunday. Oh, my god! So that was that was pretty good for me. Like I still added the extra two minutes, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, so it, it's been just fascinating to see. So your point, though, do people – you know, so I did like, I do believe people fast forward to the announcements. I've heard that. And so then I do get frustrated when they don't know something that we announced. Yeah. So that's, that has happened recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I understand that's why we try not to make a lot of announcements. Like we make them, we're yeah. going to try to make them worth your while. You know, like we don't want to be like, and then also this week, the bake sale, you know, like whatever it is. Sorry for bake sales out there, but it's a, <laughs> it, you know, it's just canceled. Yeah. <laughs> no bake sales. I just, I, I don't know what people listen to or don't listen to. I do think it puts more in their hands. I do think it gives the onus to the speaker to to realize, I don't know, it's not like I want to grab them, entertain them, but like, hey, I need to make this, like I, I'm writing a new book, and one of the things I say is we know time is one of our, one of our I guess, most endangered resources, yeah. if you will, so we don't want to waste even one sentence. Like I'm, one thing I'm really praying in this book because it's an, it's a it's a book on race and like I don't I don't want to waste any sentences. So I'm yeah. asking God to help because there's a lot of disclaimers. In fact, the whole book is on disclaimers, basically. Right. Learn to tell learn to tell the story well, and that there's nothing wrong with that. Like in the old days, we would call that well, he's trying to be slick. Yeah. And or we would use guilt. We would. That's another thing where the church would be deeply entrenched, and we would kind of make our a spiritual thing a default position or retreat position. So if somebody said. Gosh, we were here an hour and a half. It got boring. Well, the least you can do is give, you know, you would make them feel bad for right. not wanting to give an hour and a half of their time yeah. to God because they sat through your boring. Instead of going, man, I need to make this as riveting as I can because I believe it's an actually interesting thing. Sure. So I'm going to do the best I can with it. You you point it at the people as a weapon and say, like, you're cons- you have a consumer mindset if you don't enjoy this boring no. sermon that I've put together. And hey, all forty-five minute sermons of mine are not are, of mine are, have not been created equal. There are times I've done forty-five minutes. I like to play a couple of snippets right now. And my own, from- my wife will say, or someone else will walk up and say, and, I, and here's I usually start apologizing. That's where I was. I went longer than I meant to today because I was aiming for thirty-five. You know, yeah, yeah. And they'll be like, they get almost offended. Like, what are you talking about? Like. 
I could have listened because they were engaged. Yeah. I could have listened to the scriptures you were sharing and stuff all day. Like not, I could have listened to you all day. I could but, listen to you read the fun book. But John. like it didn't matter to them. There's no difference. They didn't notice you went 45. That'd be the goal. Like they don't notice. Now, that's not true of everyone in the church. And I, I have been probably harsher on those people before. Like, look, if that 15 minutes is really that big of a difference for you, then there is a good chance you're not engaging with whoever's up here. Like, yeah. like 15 minutes is just not that big of a deal. Um, if you're like, I just couldn't pay attention because you went 50. Well, you know, uh, odds are you, you probably have. You have something in your life you're giving that kind of time to. Right. That's probably just fluff or whatever. And you may have, and I'll use this term loosely, a legalistic viewpoint of what your church experience should be, meaning you've already predefined and yeah, prejudged. Yeah. If it doesn't align with X, X, and X, and X, and I don't sit in this seat, have this many songs and yeah. listen. You know, like you can get so, so like, I guess, in, entrenched in those things. Yeah. But there, but it is valid that there are some people that that's just too long for them to listen to for however their brain. Well, works. and some of that's generational. We've grown up with. I mean, now even the stuff that I read, a lot of it's like the stuff that I enjoy reading. I'll admit to you is like what I would call listicles, right. top ten things of this or top ten things you didn't know about X. It's broken up into a way that my little ADD brain can absorb it. Uh, there's books I've of some of my favorite books that I've read are like divided up into little snippets like that. There's yeah. one that's like an oral history of uh, Saturday Night Live. It's called Live from New York, and it's written by all the people who were on it and musical guests and people who saw different scenes from different sides. And I really like that. The thing behind the thing. I like books like that. Yeah. But even then, it's written in broken up. I could put it down. Yeah. I could read it for 20 minutes, put it down, come back to it. Whereas if you get into a deep thing, I'm like, oh, I feel bogged down a little bit. So, I mean, some people, we're, we're kind of, we've shaped our brains that way somewhat yeah. with the last 20 years of media. and uh, Yeah, and I got, a, I got a real weird tension between those things because yeah. like, part of you me... You want like, to expect more of people. I want to. I feel like, it's so funny, Dane and I were talking this morning and he always accuses me of, uh, Dane will love that I said this, but that I book shame Oh, right. I book shame people. Yeah. And I do. I have a thing like in the middle of all these conversations, whether it's over coronavirus, whether it's over race or whatever, like it matters to me how much you've not as how much, but to what level and, yeah. and what kind of sources you use to educate yourself yeah. a little bit. And if it's all Facebook, right, if it's all political, just resharing a meme, right, if it's all political commentary, whether left or right, and uh -huh. you've not, you know. I mean, I'm not saying like I'm a scholar. Like that's the weird part is it sounds so uppity, but I think it's just a basic requirement. No, but I just, I want to, there is that when I get angry and I try not to live in anger. Yeah. But when I get angry, I, there's something like, sometimes I'll talk to people that are too smart to learn. And, right. And that I think is a problem with us right now. Like, no, 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 no. I right. got this. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've learned enough now. Yeah. So... And, and then if they say to me and I'll go, well, what are you, what books are you, well, I don't read books. If I hear like, I already know the answer and I don't read books. Now, again, I might be a little bit biased since I write books and I don't think books are the only way to get information. Yeah. What it tells me though is like, there's, there's like, there's a humility to me in whether it's a short form book, like you're talking about, whether it's an audio book, but like giving your time to something larger than just like you said a meme i even could feel that way about articles like at least read some scholarly articles that have citations somewhere um and so yeah i do it's, and i told dane we laugh about i'm like and by the way dane reads books i'm not he just says i basically i just book shame but i'm like but yeah dane but books are like the basis of learning and civilization like this is yeah. I'm, not, I'm not making something up that's my own pet peeve like this is what have this is what Plato, Socrates, go on down through all of, of the Christian leaders. <clears throat> this is this is what Augustine, this is what anyone would have thought if you're going to speak to matters that are large in culture or in church, that you would have read some, you would have read books like books, you know, and, and then again, I use books, not just in printed form, but in the, in the online form or, um, you know, digital, I don't care what it is, but yes, guys, I, I would prefer that you read books and I got a few I could sell you. No, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> <laughs> from the trunk of my car, but I don't you know. You huckster. No, I, I was going to tell you earlier and this is an interesting thought. Yeah. And, and so I got a precursor it, even though you tell me not to do that, but it's probably important. So, mm -hmm. so I want to remind everybody like I'm patriotic. There's an American flag actually in my front yard. Um, that I am a history 
major, political science minor, history teacher. Like, I, I love the country. Like, I love studying. I love the country. I'm, I really appreciate and deeply have deep gratitude for all of the, the soldiers who have laid down their lives over the years. Deep gratitude for our law enforcement officers and the difficult job that they do. Like, I'm, I'm involved. I vote. Um, so, like, I, I'm not, I'm not an anti American in any of those things. So, so I don't think what I'm going to say is that inflammatory, but I think it's just good to remind everybody of that. Yeah, yeah. Now, within that, I believe because I have studied those things, I actually believe that what the founders intended was for us to constantly tend to the nation, to our structures, to constantly be looking at where we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why they added elasticity within the Constitution to have amendments and other things added to it as history would progress so that, you know, as you keep learning, you can keep adjusting around the principles. So, so it's a, it's a good thing because the original version said that, you know, black people were three fifths of a human. And, and so, you know, that, that needed to change. Like mm-hmm. that was not good. So, you know, it's kind of like people who say that 1611 King James is the only way to read the Bible. You can't understand this. Uh, by the way, I have one. Yeah, I think I've tried to read through one 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 day, and that makes me made me laugh when I think about the preachers that say that. I'm gonna grab it real quick. 1611 I'll King stand James. This, yeah. Stand by. He's grabbing it. John is now going deep into his extensive personal library. Because I think this is key. Um, like 1611, people say I only read 1611. Like like people don't realize that English wasn't. Um, English wasn't the same. Like it was still. This is really going to offend. You say people. it was old English. It, it was old English, and and old English, middle middle English is what it's called. Middle English is a combination, by the way, of language created by the Normans and the Anglo's and Saxons. Okay, the Anglo-Saxons. Anglo became English. Okay, so that that's where that term comes from. The Normans invaded the the island that wasn't it, it may it had Breton at that point which was a it was a Roman um outpost but the Anglos and Saxons had had already kind of settled there and the Normans who were like another Germanic tribe and they came from France so as before it was it was France that's why the Normandy Normandy yeah, yeah in, invasion so the Normans invaded and basically took over the isle and they, my history professor used to say like this, the Normans went native, meaning they lived there. And suddenly what was the precursor to French civilization or French language, if you will, mixed with what was the precursor to English yeah. as we know it, which is why you have so many French words in the English language you don't even know, especially in, in food you have it. But things like garage, why do you call it a garage? That's a French word, you know. Yeah. And, and so it's in the English language. So anyway – English language is really, really changing, and and it's almost like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm reading from uh, 1611 Jeremiah chapter. I can't even read the Roman numerals. Uh, Thus saith the Lord: Behold, I will bring again a g a i n e, which I'm assuming means against, but they hadn't added the s t yet. The capitue of Jacob with an i, so your j's were eyes, Iacob's tents, and Hell Marseille. On his dwelling places, H A U E M E R C I E. These are not words we have anymore. Right? Like we don't know what they mean. And the city, C I T I E. So there's no Y. Shall be builded upon upon with a V V P O N her own O N O W N E. Like we need to put this on the screen one day and be like, we decided to use this translation this morning. (laughs) I thought it would turn in your 1611. It's unbelievable. Like, yeah. y- y- like you really, like... Yeah, that's fi- it's fine for that to be there, and it's also weird that someone would make that their hill to die on. Exactly. They yeah. make the King James to drive the hill. They just let you know, like, that's a... Guys, it, it, so it's the not Bible's that... has been translated many, many times. Yes. When yeah. English was not even close to its original translation. So yeah. anyway, the reason I was saying all that, laying out for how we feel about it, is what I'm going to say is, I was thinking the other day, because I was reading a church history book, and I'm going to make a bold statement. Yeah. I think Christianity was the downfall of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is an inflammatory statement, right? I think Christianity was the downfall of the Roman Empire. Okay. So the the reason I say that is Christianity is incompatible with nationalistic government systems. Right. Jesus made that super clear. 
Yeah. He, he, he was like, they were like, when are you going to come? And he was right, about he to out ascend. Of it, yes. most, for the most part. When are you going to bring the kingdom? Right. You know, or basically what they meant was in Roman rule. Uh-huh. And that was, they were asking a political governmental question. And Jesus said, not only am I not going to tell you, I don't even know because that's not what I want you to do. You go into all the world and preach the gospel. Right. Like I'm not dealing with my, my kingdom will last forever. Mm-hmm. It will happen. But that's not what I'm what you focused right. on or, and that's not what I choose to focus on because right. it's it's inconsequential to the kingdom of God that's alive and already here through me the spiritual eternal kingdom and so like you got to think of the first couple hundred years of the Roman Empire Christians are often being persecuted yeah now, sometimes they weren't but it depends on who who the emperor was at the time who Caesar was and so eventually they're like they're super persecuted and then all of a sudden Constantine in, in the 300s has right. this this big, you know, and it's it's debatable by historians whether it was an actual conversion or whatever, but he says he saw a vision, a vision of a cross, and basically Jesus spoke to him and said, uh, conquer under this symbol, under this simple conquer. So, like, in one day almost, the Roman Empire goes from being, you know, kind of against Christians or at least, you know, right. moderate against... To being a, the national religion. It becomes within a matter of, of a decade or to so... To where he even adapted old pagan holidays like Christmas... Right. ...to be the birth of... Right? And that wasn't he part of the, what went on? I don't remember happened? if he actually did that or yeah. not. But I do remember when I'd read was they started calling these church councils because they had all of these these heresies, okay? Uh-huh. And there really were heresies, things like, oh, well, Jesus is not deity or, you know, uh, that God the Father, almost all over the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are three separate gods. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's all these kinds of things, which is the mixing of the paganism of the time. And so he knew that he couldn't hold the kingdom together. It was going to be, so if it's going to have all these differences of opinions. And so they began to call these councils, which is where right. the canon came about. What's crazy is there were guys sitting now in the emperor's palace at these huge feasts, okay, these bishops of various churches and different yeah. people, and one of them had no eye because he had been persecuted and they had plucked his eyes out, or one of his eyes out during the persecution. Hmm. And now he's sitting, about, so one Roman emperor tried to kill him, basically, and the next Roman emperor, he's sitting at the table. Hmm. And it was unbelievable, the, the author of the, it's just a survey history course book on church history, but the author starts talking about the effects of that on the church that now it, it suddenly became very political. Right. It wasn't just popular. It was the state religion. It, yeah. It became, it now became like, it's, it wasn't immediately Almost required. It became eventually against the law. Yeah. State sponsored to not be a Christian. So they went from one extreme and they thought, yeah, you would think, yeah, and that's the thing. It's the danger of yeah. believing like, if we can just get one of ours in office, it'll be great. It's like, well, is it though? Like, Again, it depends on how it's, there's nuance to it. Right. And he used, and this is where, you know, you had the Eastern and the Western Church eventually and all these things, Eastern Orthodox and the yeah. Roman, Roman Catholics. And, and, you know, now there's multiple popes or people and other title claiming to be, how all, and they began to now. Uh, I would like to take this moment to claim that I'm a pope. <laughs> they began to wield power as political figures. Yeah. They were actually sometimes negotiating with enemies of the state instead of the emperor because they held more power. So the mm-hmm. emperor would send them, you know, because there was more respect for the bishop of Rome than there was for yeah. the pope. At any rate, the empire begins to decline. But a lot of it, I believe, scripturally is like because nationalism and requiring people, basically is this is what creates opportunity for inquisitions and all kinds of things, forced yeah. conversions. Yeah. You make legal, when you add nationalistic legalism to Christianity, you mix something with it that's unmixable and you get something different. And so to me, it's not, so when I say Christianity is the downfall of the Roman Empire, I don't mean that in a negative sense against Christianity. I mean in a negative sense about what people tried to mix with it. So that now these bishops who were willing before to endure persecution for the cause of Christ to be totally rejected right. and killed are now vying. They're in, they're in the halls of power. Yeah, they're vying for political power. Right. And the emperor is pitting them against one another constantly. And there's all this infighting and all these factions that rise yeah. between the Christians that they're no longer, I'm not, I'm not like pro-persecution. I'm not saying, oh, I hope persecution comes. I'm just saying like it became. It galvanized the early church though. Whereas once yeah. we got fat and happy, something else comes from it. 
Well, I mean, I like comfort, you know, comfort does not usually breed like creativity. We talked about that. Yeah. Comfort doesn't breed creativity. It definitely doesn't breed like this idea of we want, we all crave safety and comfort, but generally the most safe and comfortable people that we know also have, there's a lot of negative attributes that can be associated with that. Yeah. No, absolutely. And there has to be, again, I want my political leaders to be believers. I think that's great. Like, I think what it's like how it's how it's uh, dealt with, how it's distributed. There has to be, and and then our founding fathers really did this. Where terms like separation and realizing you're the president of everybody, yeah, or, or the, you're the governor of the everybody, or whatever, everybody. yeah, yeah. And and there is a like having that place where your faith is not denied, but it actually informs you to be an honest, yeah, loving person. And in your church or in your book or what, share about your faith all you want to, but understanding, it's like Reggie. We talk about Reggie Dabbs all the time. He goes into a school. He's the most amazing preacher of the gospel you've ever heard in your life. But when he's in a school, that's not what he's there to do right then. Yeah. But he still is sharing the hope of Christ through who he is as a person. And so understanding, again, Paul did it in Athens when he, you know, spoke, and we had that last episode, I think, about, he didn't even mention Jesus' name in his initial sermon, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think like having this viewpoint that we bring something down that should be wonderful when we yeah. can't separate what they are and allow one to be superior to the other. Yeah, we think we're making it better, we're cheapening it. Yeah. And the truth is, the people who are willing to die for Christianity, Christianity was superior to them than the state. They yeah. were willing to go against the state, meaning that they their hierarchy was right. Right, like this is kingdom one, this is kingdom two, and kingdom one comes first. It's a it's a it's a distant, if immeasurable second to call this. Then the moment you put them together, and it sounds real noble. Mm-hmm. Ooh, now we'll take the kingdom that matters, and we'll add it to this kingdom. And the deal is that's what I mean. It's incompatible. Like historically, it literally, I believe, brought the downfall. Because they suddenly tried to, and that, that is why, and I think it's, it's worth saying, that sometimes I'm harder on conservative Christians than I am on unbelieving liberals. It's not, you know, it's not, it's like Paul writing. Like Paul didn't address the world when he was writing an epistle to the church. Mm-hmm. He was talking to the people that they were, uh, were of this belief together. And it's important that, that we begin there. And I think so much of the commentary and so much of the discourse right now is asking us to like come out against the enemies of the gospel. And it's like, you know, I don't, should I, do I even have to say that? Like, do I need to point out how people don't believe like me or does the gospel not call me first yeah. to live in unity with the people who we say we believe the same and there, and for us to deal with the tensions of that. And as someone told me this week on the phone, like scripture says this, and it's a very unpopular, but that judgment begins with the house of the Lord, within the house of the Lord. And I think that that's the hard part. Judgment's that word we don't want to use. It doesn't mean like be mean to each other and gossip. That's not what biblical judgment is. God's judgment upon Christ is actually a benefit to us. Like because Christ has been judged and I don't suffer the consequences of sin, which are death. What I can now is endure the judgment for the parts of my life that need to be corrected because Mm -hmm. they don't lead to death anymore. The death sentence is gone for me. So within the church, I am free now to say, hey, this is who we should be. And when we're not, it's okay to say, well, we can't mix this with this and to accept that with joy and not with condemnation as if we're rejecting somebody's Christianity. So, sorry, I just dropped a lot there on you, Johnny, but, um, John, was so much. I need you to answer to every point. In order. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good, John. You always have the history lesson. I don't even know what to do with you sometimes, but yeah. we're going to get emails about that diatribe though. <laughs> uh, and I'm looking forward to it. And we will challenge them in order. Again, everybody, love America. I just think uh, what, again, everyone, there's lots of rhetoric about what makes America great. Well, this idea of, I mean, this idea of America as an unassailable, perfect thing is just a preconception that I don't have. And so it's easier for me to be like, well, yeah, clearly America is just another empire, like many other empires that have come before us. And... I mean, thank There's God been said, some really bad stuff to make the empire. We've done a lot of good stuff, too. Yeah. And some of the ideas are great. Freedom. I mean, uh, you know, all of that. Freedom of the press. Freedom of religion. Freedom from religion. Freedom, you know, uh, yeah, it's like, but we also stepped on a lot of people to get here. Yeah. And so to not own that is a glitch for me, you know. 
To be afraid to own it, yeah. Yeah. It was as if it belittles. Right. It's, if, it, if it's like a linchpin thing yeah. to like, the other things. And so, you know, we can we can have this and we also can own what we, you know, what we did to get here. Yeah. Um, and say we're going to do better moving forward. That's progress. Nobody wants to be called a progressive, but I mean, progress is good. Yeah. When we say, hey, remember when we put up a statue to honor that slave trader? I think we should take that down now because that's not a position of honor. Right. in our society anymore that's not regression that's progress that's okay yeah we have more information now this was probably put up to intimidate black and brown people yeah well especially story. when the sign itself says so yeah like so, the one in new orleans right. and this is restore white supremacy in the south because right. of the election of 1876 like it wasn't about the civil war it wasn't about the confederacy yeah. Yeah. it was to restore white supremacy yeah so when you can yeah. say that and you say well we're gonna we, we have the idea we know now that that was you know we're not gonna say that we uh uh, you know, we've moved past it now. It's fine. It's time. And so to me, the people would be like, well, now we're doomed to repeat our history. It's like, come on. And my buddy Ed Wiley had the greatest quote when people were saying that. If you tear down these statues, you know, that's, you know, they're tearing down our history. And he had the thing. It was the quote from Reagan. Uh, but instead it said, Mr. Gorbachev, leave this wall up as a reminder. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. I do think it's interesting how we pick and choose what parts of our history we want to remember. Yeah. Like I was telling you at lunch today, like nobody says 4th of July. Well, that was so long ago. Right. Again with this? Right. Uh, or, or you know, bad days in our history. 9-11 or Pearl Harbor. Oh, that's too painful. Let's not. And it seems like with the issues of slavery and discrimination and Jim Crow, it's like there's a lot of like, okay, guys, enough. We've moved on. We've yeah, made yeah. new laws. Don't We've, keep picking at the scab. Come yeah, on, what are you doing? Let's not act like victims. Yeah. Let's, you know, and it's like you, you can't, it's like we don't do that in a lot of other areas of history. Um, and certainly what we're saying is, is let's, we're asking people who it's their history yeah. to stop acknowledging it. Um, and I think that that, you know, one of the things um, that hit me this week, so, you know, I'm in a recovery program mm-hmm. and there's a big part and you're my mentor. So congratulations. You better know it. Yeah. And one of the things I have to do is read to my mentor what's called an inventory and it's its own separate big notebook. Yeah. And it takes about four weeks and it is a lot of intensive. Four weeks to read. Uh, and I got to tell you, we're... <laughs> <laughs> Mine is a little longer than it's a, some of us. To scroll. It's a, <laughs> but it's all the harms of your life. Yeah. All the resentments, all the harms committed towards you, right. all the harms you've committed. There's first harm, second harms. All the harms. harms. <laughs> the epistle Would you say that harms. you're Harmenian or are you <laughs> I'm more? I'm a Harmenian or I'm a, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so it's a it's all the things you've done to harm others. Yeah. It's it's your sexual history. It's what you're in recovery for. How that you know, and when you first if if you led with a conversation about recovery because people I'm learning people have really interesting viewpoints on recovery and yeah. that, you know they think well you're not an alcoholic why do you need recovery you're not a drug addict you're not you know and it's like um I've, I thought that way certainly. When I see church signs or whatever, they have a celebrate recovery or something like that. I really thought that way. Like, oh, that's for the, that's for the addicts, yeah. you know, that's for the people who are messed up. And you don't even realize what you're thinking. Like you really believe you're not messed up because you manage yeah. your patterns of sin better. So right. my patterns of sin are very, um, introspective. They're very obsessive. They're very narcissistic. They're very fear-based mitigating fear by overworking, by trying to get out and, you know, logically, outrun failure logically control people it's a lot of manipulation with myself because i know if i can have people like me then i can cause them by clear communication to do what i want them to do to keep the organization safe or to keep my family safe safety defined by security not by physical safety but by right making sure this is has a, a an achievable predictable yeah. outcome like wow so that's what i've learned from recovery that I kind of, it's not surprising. That's yeah. how I control or people, I'm not honest with myself, I make myself look better than I am, which is lying. Mm-hmm. So I'm in recovery for a lot of things, you know, yeah. and I just happens to not be drug addiction or whatever. But when you really pitch the idea of inventory, people are super offended by it at first. So we taught, we had a whole series on recovery to our church just to help introduce the idea to them. And I mean, mm-hmm. about 30 people had been through it. And so they kind of began sharing. 
And <clears throat> the inventory, they're like, here's what you get. Well, why'd they go the past? Especially when I look at somebody, and I don't mean this in some prideful way, but people have said this to me. This is why I'm saying it. They look at me as well-adjusted yeah. and successful. It's like, why would you go dredge all this up? Right. John, you're, Clearly, you're it's, a pastor. Clearly, you moved on. It's not affected you. You've, you found forgiveness. You've forgiven other people. Right. You love what Jesus. Grace? Yeah. What about grace? You know, And so, like... The reason is, is without, there's a, there's a thing before inventory that in our program is called groundwork. And bef- if you don't do groundwork, you can't do inventory. And we won't, they won't let you. Because groundwork is You've like, got to break ground before you can dig up. Am I right, past. guys? You're going to have to oh break. My oh my gosh. Why am I not writing this <laughs> curriculum? <laughs> and the idea of it is, you do, and at first, it, it's almost, if you're a Christian, yeah. it's almost like, well, I already know this. But it's a really deep dive into a lot of scripture of things you think you already know mm-hmm. and think you already believe. And a lot of it you do. But it begins to reveal what I just told you. Like, oh, I would drive by, see a church sign that said Celebrate Recovery and think that was not for me. I'm already good. Yeah, I'm already good is the problem. I believe most people who are Christians today, somewhere even subconsciously, and some of them have just told me, they just think that they're already good. Mm-hmm. And... Whatever that means to them, what it means is, is I intend good, number one. That's a big part of it. I don't have bad intentions towards black people or brown people. Or, I don't have any bad intentions. I'm not, I'm not out burning crosses. I'm not, you know. Yeah. I don't even use racial slurs. Like, you know, uh, I don't like racism. I'm against it. I'm just using race as the example here. But that it can go to a hundred other ways. I give. I pay my tithes. I, I go to church. You know, yeah. I, I don't hurt my family. I And, and all these I do's and don'ts and do's and don'ts. And like it kind of skips over the central premise of the whole gospel itself, right. which is that not only are you not good, you are dead in your trespasses. And it's super offensive, but you got to be reminded of it. I'm not talking about we can we can we can call it original sin or whatever we want to call it, but the gospel really says Paul's whole point was like, look, I want to lead with this, guys. I am the chief of sinners. He did not lead with, I have studied more than all of you. Right. He did not lead with, I was a Pharisee and kept the law better. He eventually would, he would let those things be part of his history, but he would come and even when he write about, remember when I was with you, when I came to you, I was with tears and fear and trembling. Like there was such a broken humility mm-hmm. to realize that he's the murderer and he, and, he, and he doesn't belong here. And now I belong because of the grace of Christ and it's so crazy and so radical and so um, controversial yeah. that we should all count everything in our life that is gain as, well, really, he, he says as dung is what it says in the original trailer, as rubbish, garbage, a dung heap. Like whatever you think you did to take good care of your children, whatever you think you did, yeah. like compared to what this really is in the spiritual kingdom, it's it's crap. Mm-hmm. And that's the word he's using. Count it like that. And he tells you, you're going to have to count it like that. So when you go through groundwork, the idea of getting into inventory is not that you relive all the pain of your past. It's mm-hmm. to realize, because you will feel it some. There's things I write that my heart still starts beating fast. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's things I've done that I'm still like face shame over. But it's showing you from childhood forward where the patterns that you have used to try to cope where all of your patterns are so that you in some of them may be like we could use the word idols sink things that you put in front of God. Yeah. So the approval of man is an idol for me. And mm-hmm. I, I need, I need people, especially I think are ahead of me to affirm me. Well, some of the affirmations good in community. Some of that is to encourage one another. Some of that is I'm not secure in who I am in Christ. I'm actually still the little, I do. I live my life often feeling like I'm a little boy with a gray beard. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like I'm, I'm, I'm an imposter among the adults kind of thing. I right. still feel like I'm a kid, you know? So I got to deal with that. And if I never look at the things that have happened to me and what, ha- you know, then I won't ever identify the patterns. And then once I identify the patterns, it's not, I don't need to feel ashamed. I don't need to feel guilty. Yeah. A lot of people don't want to look at the history of racism in America because of the white guilt whole thing. Like, well, we don't need to feel guilty. And that's not the purpose. Like, and so what I told my friend of the day is America is doing an inventory. Mm-hmm. Like we're looking back and it's, and it's not all good. And Christians should be at the forefront. But what we really need is groundwork. What we really need is to stop and to realize like, guys, who are we in Christ? What do we really believe? And if we have the courage to know that we don't bring anything good to the table of God, we don't bring anything with us. Mm-hmm. We come broken. Like it's not rhetoric. 
if you don't really believe that and you kind of think you're kind of good, like you need Jesus for heaven, but you got it the rest of the time, you know, then it's no wonder that grace and the gospel is not really that exciting of a of news to you. And it's really kind of hard for you to show grace to other people who are struggling yeah. because you don't really, you don't really know how it applies to your own brokenness. If it's just for, you know, the people more broken than you. So I just, that idea I'm working on now of like, Hey, believers, especially like we need to do some groundwork and remind ourselves what the real gospel is about and not be offended by that. Don't be offended by it. Paul said, I long to preach to you the gospel that I've already shared with you. I'll share some of those scriptures later. I don't have the references, but I can't wait to be with you and preach again to you what I preached to you last time. I mean, the gospel never goes away. It's not like a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I got that. Like, there's something about dwelling upon the principles. It's the, it's the power of God unto salvation. That's the word of God. So it keeps doing this living, active work in you. And so, like, revisit. And if you can, then I'm, I don't know, I guess knowing I'm not good. Yeah, that's the, that's the, the presupposition, the, the way, the, whatever you enter the situation with. And that's, you know, true of America. It's true of our own fallen state. If we presuppose that we're good, basically good, or if we presuppose that we're fallen, um, like I just see America as another empire and a long line of other empires and we can break it. I mean, that's human. Yeah. It's, uh, and it's in human hands in some ways, you know, that's why we vote. That's why we, you know, Christians still go out and vote. We're we're not just like, well, look. God's got this. We'll, I mean, there are some religions who abstain. They stay completely out of the process and just go, look, we don't even want to involve. And uh, my friend uh, whose mother's a Jehovah's Witness, like they don't even involve in any nationalism. So they're the, the far extreme of that, of yeah. like no flags, no, none of, no, no America worship of any kind. And um, so to stay clear of that. So, I mean, I believe it's a specific responsibility to live in the community that you're in and do what you can and elect moral people. If you can, just people. Right. But yeah, but to the point where you're just like, uh, uh, it'll be fine. That's the thing, too, that's scary to that other extreme. Like, well, I'm sure it'll be fine. We've been going 200 plus years strong now. Yeah. It's like, man, I don't know about that. It's the longest standing democracy. Yeah. But by far, not the longest standing. You know, empire is an interesting word. I mean, obviously, it is a democratic is a republic. Yeah. And there were elements of that in Greek and Roman culture, though it eventually became, they went from elected officials eventually to uh, a Caesar. So, well, the reason I say empire is because I feel like some of the, some of the conflicts that we've been in were, had an imperialism mindset to them. Oh, Even sure some of our did. missions work has imperialism laced in it, where yeah. we're going to go educate these barbarians yeah. who don't have Christ. There's that's laced into some of the missions mindset that we've been taught yeah. It's like, what would they even do without our help? Yeah. And so I feel like that that's dangerous. And so that's why I say empire. I know we're not a monarchy or whatever, well, certainly. although there are some things into it where yeah, we were talking about this in my group this past Thursday, where it's like Israel didn't want a king or Israel wanted a king. And God said, you don't want a king. A king is going to take your wives as concubines and slaves. You're going to have all these horrible negative attributes. And there's like, we want to be like these other nations. God let them have it. It was almost like a lesson he's showing them. And I feel like America, it's, it, there's some of that. We're skidding down that path to some degree where we leave England for freedom from monarchy. And now if we're not careful, we so align with a Democratic or Republican candidate that will just let whatever he says goes and he becomes a de facto king. You know, yeah. you think about uh, executive orders, how many more executive orders we are just like they don't even make news anymore. Yeah. I remember when, you know, I think President Bush senior signed an executive order. It was like, is this OK? There was like he has veto power over this, but can he just. Yeah. Not go through Congress and sign stuff in the law. Now it's like hundreds per term of they couldn't get it through one way. And so the president just is like sending out windowless vans to mute people like the president can have a mute button now on dissent. Some of that stuff should scare us, whether whatever party we're in. And so by the, in that way, that's why I say the word empire. I believe we've kind of fashioned ourselves into a place where. We align ourselves so deeply entrenched with a political ideal, whether it be Democratic or Republican. Like, our guy can do no wrong because we feel like it's a linchpin. If we if we admit wrong, then we're we're, we're chipping away at our own ideals in a yeah. way. Yeah, and by that reminded me of of that uh, Nixon documentary 
where yeah. G. Gordon Liddy, after the whole thing was exposed, and it was his fault. Yeah, because he was, you know, he, he was messy on the. Yeah, I was just bungled. And the whole thing. He wrote a letter where he he thought the government was going to execute him. Yeah. So even in the seventies, he wrote a letter and said, "Look, I won't fight this." I know, basically, he was before it all come came public, but he knew. And so he said he offered to go stand on a street corner so they could – he said, I'll be here if you want, and I won't fight. I won't run, and y'all could just pull the van up basically and do it. That's now, crazy. I mean that's a real letter. So yeah. whether or not they were really executing people, I don't know. But I know that G. Gordon Liddy thought that that was probably what was going to happen to him and, yeah. that, and that he was ready to take it. Um, it's happened though. It's happened on both sides of – as far as like – Stuff happening where you go, this needs to be called out. Uh, I remember in the Obama administration, there was there were stories of people who were faith based, their tax exemption being slow rolled. Yeah. And it was proven that it was happening. That basically they'd go, oh, well, you don't align with our party platform. So we're going to put you to the bottom of the stack. Yeah. You know, churches and faith based organizations were applying for tax exempt status and were 501c3 status were being basically denied de facto just like come back in a year. It's like that's illegal. Yeah. And it's it's abuse of power. And so if we're going to call it out there, we got to call it out. Like fascism is dangerous on whatever side. When windowless vans are deployed, it affects us all. We should all be going. We should be crying foul. You know. Yeah. And I think, again, to the to this central conversation at hand. Whether it's Democratic or Republican, there has to be a place where we here believers do not expect these political man-made systems to fully sustain us or provide our security yeah, should be suspicious. We should, we can celebrate again. So excited that we have something so much better than Marxism, so much better right. than communism right. and all these things. It's a, but I've been to Cuba. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I know, like I, I agree that, that this is a better thing for us in a man-made state. I also have, and suspicious is a, is a strong word. I just think it's accountable like I'm not expecting it to be above reproach because I know what that is, and it's yeah. not going to happen outside. And like yeah, I would think I would think of it more as like a healthy skepticism of human leadership. Yeah, like yeah, expect that again. Yeah. Even the, when it comes to your pastor, have a healthy skepticism of his limitations. Because at the moment even the emperor decided yeah. to make Christianity, you know, again that goes back to that point. Like this can't, these don't combine. I have one king. I have one person like i think it's okay for patriotic americans who are christians that we should be able to articulate and say i love my country i love christ much 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 more and they are not the same all blessings in all countries every good gift that comes to man comes down from the father of lights in whom there is no variation or no shadow of turning is what it says in James. Like I recognize even the common graces among look every time somebody in communist China takes a breath today, that's God blessing communist China, not the country. He's blessing people. Mm -hmm. And I don't know again there. We could get a whole other podcast. The idea of how God blesses nations and all those things. I do believe it's important that we were built upon Judeo Christian principles, though. I think we were denying so many of them at the moment with the issue of slavery, like literally raping and lynching people while claiming to be a society of freedom built on Christian principles. I think that's the inventory that we're struggling with and that what happens today is a reflection of history. It doesn't mean that we have to be, again, victims to it or entitled by it or it just means. And and we get to decide if it's going to be growing pains or like a death rattle of the democracy because that inventory, like if we do it wrong, we spiral. Yeah, with no groundwork. If we, if, we, yeah. if we determine that we're going to uncover this thing so it can heal, yep. You know, you can't heal a wound that you won't uncover and let it let let it see the light of day. Let it see medicine. Let it. Yeah. You just we're just like no 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 we we're good we're good we're just holding it back. So yeah, I, we get to decide with how we handle this moment. And so much of it would just be people being willing to do the inventory. To to stop denying the inventory. I'm not listening to anybody else's inventory. <laughs> So I'm done. But just imagine, though, if we could just like stop denying. And this is another big thing for me when we first began talking about how we had a workspace gospel here. And, yeah. and especially my kids from youth ministry, when I really began talking like that, they were so protective of me. Mm-hmm. So they were thinking and I appreciated it. 
oh, Pastor John, you no, you loved us so well. And I did love him. There's no, like, both and. It's not yeah. either or. But I don't think I helped them become the deep disciples that they could have been if I would have understood just some simple things like, hey, guys, why are you going to heaven? Because Jesus did all the work. Let's let's really unpack that for a minute. Yeah. And so how much Christian kids just stop doing so much work, you know, like, not because they don't need to do good things, but because they weren't grounded yet. So, you know, like, yeah, hey, that's that's somewhat on me. I'm not condemned about it, though, because I understand grace. But they would reject my confession. That's what I begin to call it. And when people reject your confessions because if they accept my confession, they have to go down into that, too. Right, right. Because now what does that mean for you as an adult? So sorry, guys. I, I'm ready to go with you. It's one of the reasons I started the podcast. I'm ready to go with you now. And talk deeper. And I want to keep changing and keep growing. But we have to at least be able to look back and go, those were great times. Amazing things happened. And I could have, I just didn't know. I I could have laid some better foundations for where you would be with Jesus and in community today that I didn't know then. But I know now. So I'm not going to do is just is just put rose-colored lenses on our past and act like that's those are the golden years. I'm going to acknowledge that God blessed Ro- rose-colored us. Rose-colored golden years. Okay, make rose sure. Col- <laughs> maybe make some metaphors. <laughs> I'm not just going to... Gold-colored... Roseland. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm going to... You know, it's like, it's okay. It's like we can look at it and say, right, yeah. wow, it was great. It was a great trip and I loved you and you loved me and God did great things. Yeah. Also, it would have been better if we could have not had this, if we could have had a better understanding here, which we can have now because grace forgives a multitude of sins where we miss the mark. It's okay. What do we, where do we go from now? But if I can't look back and you can never admit that we didn't have that, then you can't ever go from now. Like Mm -hmm. you'll keep trying to just, again, conserve whatever, whatever it is you had, or keep trying to remain in the status quo of your current experience, your current mindset, current ideology. When the gospel calls you constantly to repent, which means to change one's mind. So it's not just when you offend by an action, it's, it's like understanding that you live in an offensive state mm-hmm. like that God has redeemed and you're not being held accountable for. And now you're free to be transformed. So I just see that microcosm of that process being what our nation needs on the issue of race, especially like if someone comes and says, wow, racism was horrible and millions, like 2 million Africans died on the boat voyages over mm-hmm. on slave slave ships. Like there's a lament that if I have not really processed that part of my history, if I'm going to process 6 million Jews in the Holocaust, and some of us really feel that deeply so much, mm-hmm. why am I not processing 2 million Africans right, ripped the out of passage. their homes? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not processing you know, uh, the stories that you can read and hear. So it's like, why should we go back and dwell on the past? We've gotten past it. Like, that's not our decision. We don't get to decide when everybody heals. Mm-hmm. We all need to heal. And for some of us, healing is not healing from the things that, that occurred to us is the things that occurred to others whom we care about. And so there's just that mindset of going, wow, when I just go, yeah, how long is it going to be? We're Americans. You have equal opportunity, like pull yourself up. Like guys, there's an insensitivity to a history that we can, it's not, look, maybe somebody does speak into, and they do into black culture and all those things about making sure you don't, you know, live angry at the sins of the past committed towards you and all that. But I can tell you this, those people are invited into that place because they earn the right, right. to be there mm-hmm. by actually caring, by actually having empathy, by actually walking with somebody. And a lot of the white Christian community that they're not invited there. It's not our place to say that. And so, you know, it doesn't mean right or wrong. Like the idea that we're going to impose that is is actually another form of privilege. Like, well, I'm going to dictate, you know, the way that this goes. So I know I just use the hot button privilege and now everybody, you could dismiss everything I said, but why? Like, just be okay. Be okay with brokenness. You can be right and still not have the right to say something to a certain group of people. Or or you can be in the wrong position to say it. Yeah. You know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Inventory, I tell you this, I don't go confess it to strangers. Yeah. Like, you know, you had to agree to this and we, we understood it. Like I, like I didn't really know what I was agreeing to. Yeah, I know you did. And I would like to. I'm just kidding. It's fine. <laughs> and maybe you didn't know what you were agreeing to today, listener, whenever you <laughs> logged when you on. Hit, when you hit play <laughs> and then immediately hit like 1.5x or 2x, whatever the, we're like, <laughs> I wonder how many people listen to our podcast at 1.5. That'd be a great, uh, I wonder Do if you we, listen to podcasts that way? Sometimes. If I need, if someone asks me to listen to it and I need to get through it quickly because I don't have time. And yeah, if I'm hmm. trying to like pick up on the timing of the jokes or whatever, you know, no. So, oh, 
Generally, yeah. if I like it, like a history podcast, no, I just want to listen. That's why I'm mowing or something. So, <laughs> yeah. But hey, send us your questions though, your comments. Thank you. Hey, to our Patreon, Patreon, pa- patrons. <laughs> Our patrons this week, uh, as promised, we sent you, if you haven't checked, I don't know if that, what email that comes to you for, but uh, we we are from two, four, I don't know, words put together make sentences. Mm-hmm. Um, wherever we sent that out through the Patreon account this week, a uh, link to uh, Simple Soul, the Scarlet Thread EP oh my gosh. from 2000, what? Two? 2004. Four, okay. That's when that was released. So, yeah, yeah. you got uh, an extra six songs to listen to, so make oh sure you go goodness. check it out. They're all your favorites, I'm sure. Oh, my goodness. So, the last you one... You can't get those. The last song is called Toyota Van, and people still talk about Toyota Van when we meet them. I mean, not in a good way, but we... I've had this. I've had three Toyota Vans. You have had them. Love we, the Toyota Van. We wrote about them. like to hear it. Here it goes. <laughs> Play us out. No. So anyway, thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, get your friends subscribe. Share. I do hope today's been thought-provoking for you as you just keep inching along. And hey, if it challenges you, give us another week, man. Let's keep going. Let's keep having conversations. Courageously face the challenges. Let's not just like, well, those people don't sound like me. Let's shut that off. Like, hey, we love you. We're glad that you're listening. Uh, we're learning and growing, too. We do sound like you. Go ahead and shut it off. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I'm good. I agree with all of it. That's good, right. Good job. My brain is full. Yeah, yeah, it is full. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a lighter episode next week, Johnny. We'll see. We have light ones, too. Yeah. So, But there's, there's just a lot going on in the world today. So, I've noticed. Have you noticed? It's a little heavy <laughs> out there. But, guys, thank you for spending your time with us uh, today on this Monday. We'll see you next time. We'll talk about that. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth, unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.